Praise God. Yeah, I've just kind of like had it with tippy-toeing around. And, uh, you know, bottom line is, uh, you know, praise God. It, I believe, honestly, I believe that isolation is detrimental to your health. Uh, I'm already seeing it. I'm already seeing it affect children, affect, you know, uh, uh, elderly, just, just staying out. You can't stay out. God called us. He, he created us to have connection with people, to have friends and have relationship, Okay. And uh, so I, I just I just want to get back to uh, at least a normal agenda here at church. Um, you know, we're still kind of sitting rows apart. But, you know, you people that don't make no difference anyway. Y'all aren't. You know, I mean, dear Lord, y'all are behaving yourself a little here in church. And then when you walk out the doors, I mean, it's just, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I can't control any of that. So I'm like, why am I messing with it? So um, so like this after to, to see this evening. <laughs> This morning, we're going to have a prayer team. So at the end of service, if you have prayer, specific prayer, we're going to have it. We're not scared to touch anybody. I believe that the anointing and the power of God on the inside of us is not to kill a coronavirus. And so, um, and so, uh, you know, whatever, we're just going to, we're just going to trudge on. Amen. So for everybody out there listening and watching, praise God, church is open. We've got seats available. Uh, come on. Don't get so comfortable on the couch that you just enjoy drinking your coffee and stay in your pajamas and don't come have fellowship. Amen. So, I'm sorry, you know, I did. I zinged you right there, right over the TV. So, but anyway, praise the Lord. You know, the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There's something about the assembling of ourselves together. The world's in chaos right now. The world's crazy. Man, I mean, I, I, do, you notice, do you notice that there's no headlines of coronavirus anymore? Now it's all right. And, you know, oh God, they're gonna, you know the riders are going to kill you and whatever. And so, I mean, you know, it's just like, it could, what's the next thing they're going to put up? You know, what's the next and the next and the next? Because it's the nature of the curse. The nature of the curse is it wants to come on it with darkness. just like a dark cloud. just wants to come upon the earth. It wants to get you focused on everything except what you should be focused on, which is Jesus. Amen. And get you in fear and get you in, you know, trembling. I believe there needs to be wisdom. I believe that we need to be smart. We need to be wise. We need to do all of that. Yes, you do. Okay. I mean, like I said at the first of things, my Lord, you need to wash your hands. I mean, that is just not right. No, you got to wash your hands. It's a good, just practice no matter what's going on. Wash your hands. Okay. You don't, shouldn't have to have somebody tell you, you need to wash your hands at least three times a day. What? I mean, come on. So anyway, all nonsense out of the way, all right? We just need to go on. We need to, we need to, to, to believe God. We need to have church, and so that's what we're doing. We're just going to go on with that. So this morning is, is Pentecost Sunday. Now, um, the thing about this is that, you know, sometimes, a lot of times, Christians, we just, you know, yeah, it's Pentecost Sunday, just like it's Easter Sunday, just like it's Christmas Sunday, just like it's, you know, whatever, Thanksgiving Sunday, and whatever, we just go through. We don't really catch the gist of what's going on. But I want to I delve in, and it's going to be a little different. I was thinking about, I've preached 27 Pentecostal messages since I pastored this church, and uh, so you can go back and you can find them, because uh, they're all going to be different. This is going to be different this morning. But I just want you to understand that God is doing something special on this day. I do not care what the news says. I do not care what's going on with, uh, I don't mean that in a, you know, a, a bad way. I'm just saying, I'm not going to let me be distracted by that. Uh, God is doing something right now, folks. It's time for us to get our hearts open. It's time for us to be looking for Jesus. It's time for us to be hungry for the things of God. Amen. When I first got married, well, let me back up a little bit. Before I got married, you know, I fell in love with my wife. 
I told her just a minute ago, I said, I'm going to say some things that probably embarrass you, and so just get ready. And she's like, what are you going to say? And so anyway, you know. But I, I fell in love with my wife, and, and I was, you know, like Thumper, I was Twitter-pated, okay? I mean, I, I, I could not think of not being with her. I, I, at every moment, I wanted to be with her. She was going to school in Abilene at that time, and I was still down here working on the ranch, and, and I could not think, I could not wait for the time to come that I could leave and go up there and chase her around and, and you know, and just, just, my gosh, I just had to be with her. I needed to be with her. When she was coming home, I needed to be there. I was, I was, I was, there was nothing else. There was nothing else that I cared about in life. I was working, but I was thinking about her. Amen. And, you know, now 40 years later, you know, it's still the same way, man. I love her. I just, I, 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 I get excited about her. I, I, I love to be with her. I love to see her. I love, I love what she does. She never surprises me, you know. I mean, she always surprises me. She just always comes up with something else, and I'm just like, man, I love you for that. I mean, you're just, you know, I mean, so she's, she's, she's really just a big kid inside, you know. And so, uh, so anyway, I feel that way still after 40 years. Now, let me explain something to you. That's the way your relationship should be with Jesus. When you found, when you got saved and you realized that Jesus, it's not some religious thing. It's not something that you just, you just, oh, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to burn in hell. You know, you saw the, you saw the picture burning hell. And so you're like, I don't want to go to hell. Oh God. And so you got saved. You said, Jesus, come into my life. That's what I got to do. I got to get saved. And then that was it. That was the end of your relationship. Well, you know, it, and, and if you put that into the reality of earthly relationships, well, then if that was you, you wouldn't still be married. If I just got married to Laura, she just, you know, I got her, I chased her a little bit, I won her, and then that was it. I didn't have a relationship with her after. I didn't talk to her. I didn't have any, any you know, I mean, just like once in a while, I say, hey, what's her supper? Right? You're not, that's not a relationship. I would, that, our marriage would have ended long ago. But our marriage just continued to go because I'm still in love with her. Right? So, so, uh, so it is with your relationship with Jesus. Today you should be hungrier than you were the day you got saved to know him and to have a relationship with him. And if you've grown stagnant or stale, it's only because of you. Woo-hoo! It isn't because of him. He hadn't backed off. He hadn't left. He hadn't gone, moved off somewhere else into a farther land. He hadn't changed his phone number. It didn't. No, no, no. If, if your relationship with Jesus has grown stale, it's because of you. You have stopped chasing. Hello? Now, you know, praise God, my wife didn't play real hard to get. I chased and I caught. All right? All right. Pray. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I got her. Swept her up. Swept her off her feet. Swooner. Hope that's right. <laughs> Sounded good. Anyway, so so my point is, but I didn't stop. And the world, what's wrong? What's going on in the world today is Christians have stopped in their relationship with Jesus. They just went so far. I started looking and just looking up some things about Pentecost and just sort of doing some research. You can get in trouble, you know, just searching out something that should be good. I found some dark places on uh, uh, religious sites about Pentecost. We just read it, and I'm like, man, I don't think this guy loves Jesus is writing this thing. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just legalism and, and, and ritual, and it just, you just, I mean, it's, you can feel it coming off the, the, the website. And I said, woof, get away from that. Woof, get all over me, you know? And then you, you, you just, so what I'm saying is that, you can take your relationship with Jesus and you can take it to a dark place. Right? 
I still date my wife. I do. I still, I still buy things and date my wife. That's why we have been married for 40 years. She takes care of me. She loves me. She finds little things to help me and, and encourage me and keep me going. This is the way our relationship works. Hello? You don't just get married and then that's it. You got to work at your relationship. Come on. Oh, I'm not always buying diamonds and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's not that. Hello? I mean, there's a time and a place for that. But it's the little things. But I'm always, every day, seeking. Every day, seeking. And what's happened to the Christian world is they've gotten complacent in their Christianity. And the world is sitting out there, and they just, they're, they're, now it's even gotten easier for them. And I'm not talking about you, Living Waters Church people. I know you out there, you're hungry hearts and hungry souls, and you're sending in tithes and offerings, and you're still rescuing kids around the world. I understand that. But I'm talking to the rest of the world out there. It's gotten so much easier to just be complacent. It's gotten so much easier to just not go to church, because now you have a reason. I'm, oh, I'm in isolation. But man, you open up the beach. Woohoo, man, bless God. They fill that place up. Hello? The world's hungry to go to the beach. The world's hungry to go out, you know, to, to this thing or that thing. But the world's not hungry for church. The world's not hungry for a relationship with Jesus because they don't understand Jesus. Because Jesus has been promoted in the wrong way, in the wrong fashion. He's been promoted as, as, as you know, unfriendly. No fun. No joy. So, I want to show you something about the day of Pentecost. I want to show you what God did. By sending the Holy Spirit onto the earth. First scripture, go to Acts, I mean, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. So get your Bibles out. Woo! Man, I've been wanting to say that for a long time. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The first thing I want you to understand, God gave you the Holy Spirit as a gift. Not something to torment you. He gave it to you as a gift. All right? Now, you see, you know, I, I, I don't, Y'all, y'all don't try to judge me because I feel like I, I feel like I hear the voice of judgment coming with the things that I'm saying. So you just got to get over it, okay? Get over yourselves. But, you know, like if my wife gave me a, treadmill right i mean i wouldn't really consider that a gift now follow me that's just not that this ain't right that's something you have to discuss as a family and buy it because you're going to torture yourself to do it okay it's not something that you do say oh i just know you i just gave so the Holy Spirit is not a gift like that to you. It's not something that comes upon you that brings legalization, causing you to become legalistic in your thinking and under bondage and, and, and crazy. It's a gift. It's the greatest gift God could give to each and every person on this earth. And I'm gonna, man, I get to the end of this message, you're going to see why. He's going to pour it out. He's going to give you. It's a gift, Okay. The second thing is, I want you to see in Luke eleven nineteen. 19, I'm going to go kind of fast here because I've got to get to the end of my message before I run out of time. The one thing good about today's world and doing everything, you know, digital like this is I don't have to worry about tape running out, you know? It used to be we had big old videotapes you put in there, you know, and your tape, you only had so long, you had to get it down, the tape ran out. 
I don't have to worry about that anymore. Luke eleven nineteen. No, eleven nine. Excuse me. Luke eleven nine. It says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who is asked receives and everyone who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks of a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks of an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Okay. The second thing I want you to understand in this whole scripture is that the Holy Spirit was given to you by the father. Okay. It was his gift to you. The father, the creator of the world gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. God, the creator said, he looked down at you and said, Man, I want to give them this. Man, I want to give them something special. When I'm going to give my wife something special, I, I mean, I think this thing through, right? I don't just walk into a store and buy the first pair of earrings my eyes lays on, right? I think it through of what I want to do. God thought it through and he said, Man, the best gift I want to give, I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit. Whew. That's what I want to give them, all right? Now, third thing here John chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus speaking, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The third thing here you need to understand is that the Holy Spirit was paid for by the blood of Jesus and he sent him. He went, he made the way that you could ask the father to now send the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit couldn't come upon humans. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could only come upon the priests, the prophets, or the kings, and only for a, a, a moment. He could only come upon them so that then they could prophesy or they could, uh, you know, uh, make any inspiration, you know, that, that God had for them. It just came on them instantly to do the Day of Atonement or whatever. The Holy Spirit just came upon them, but then the Holy Spirit left because they couldn't live in man. Because man was unclean. Not that... Man's like, Ew, you know, you didn't take a bath. Not that kind of unclean. Unclean like it, the, the, our temples were not holy to hold the vessel of the Spirit of God. Jesus, by his blood, paid the price so that you and I, by salvation, by grace, could be saved and become holy by the blood of Jesus so then that the Spirit of God could then come and live and dwell on the inside of you. Hear what I'm saying? Prior to this, the Holy Spirit could only be temporal. Now, the Holy Spirit could be in you forever while you're on planet Earth, right? So Jesus paid for that right by his blood for you to receive this great gift. The whole thing was working towards you being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Mm, 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 mm. Now, go to Acts chapter 2. Let's look at the day of Pentecost. Verse 1. You see, I've, I, I, a lot of religious circles, organizations and what, they, they'll, they'll, they'll accept God the Father, the Creator, the one that made the worlds. They'll accept Jesus, the sacrifice, going to the cross. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, everybody's like, oh, I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff, you know. I don't know about that's kind of spooky, that's mystical, that's woo. All right? But wait a minute. It, it, my Bible says it's God. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Where do we get off just taking two and cutting the third off? 
Who are we to say, well, I kind of like God the Father and I kind of like God the Son, but I don't necessarily like God the Holy Spirit. My wife and I and our relationship, there's all kinds. We have different, we have different, it's not different personalities, but it's different attributes. You have Robert the preacher. You have Robert the, the carpenter. You have Robert the, you know, goofball. I like to have fun too. I'm not just like this all the time. Hello? But the, it comes as a package. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is God. And you can't run backwards and say, well, I don't know about, I understand God the Creator, and I understand Jesus going to the cross, but I don't know this Holy Spirit just kind of freaks me out. It's just like, woo, you know, twilight zone. Man, you're denying a third of God. Oh, man, I want to show you something here at the end of this. Woo, you're going to say, I want it all. I want it all. So now Jesus has paid the price. He's paid the price with his blood so that you as a vessel could be sanctified by the blood of Jesus and by faith and believing in him. Okay? So now that's all been done. Jesus now, from the, his death, resurrection, it's been 50 days. The day of Pentecost is coming. Now, the day of Pentecost was not called the day of Pentecost prior to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. The Greeks called it Pentecost. That was their, their uh, word that they put in there. But it was actually the Feast of Weeks. And the reason why it was called the Feast of Weeks was because God had already set this up in the Old Testament. And I don't want to get into all that. You can go look it up. And he had set it up to where at the first of the harvest of the wheat, okay, of the wheat harvest, when everybody was gathering in all their grain and everything was, you know, looking good, you're happy because you've gathered in your grain, then you, you, he called a solemn assembly. This is a solemn assembly where everyone had to come. Every male was required to come and every male was required to bring an offering to the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. So these Jewish people were all, all set to come to church because it was a celebration church. It was a day of celebration. It was a day that all the farmers were rejoicing because, man, we had a good crop. And so the high priest, they would take this grain that they had, people had brought in as offerings from the first fruits of everything that had the wheat that had been produced. They make two big loaves of bread. The high priest would stand up and he would take two loaves of bread. And they did what they called a wave offering. And I, you know, I studied this out to try to figure it all out. And what it meant was it was a wave offering. <laughs> I mean, you know, I kept thinking there's got to be something more to this than just to do a wave offering. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I always like, you know. Is it, I better watch myself on this one. I'm getting trouble. As I've traveled, I'll say it this way. As I've traveled around the country, around the world, I've always noticed that man, people of different cultures, they wave different. Okay? We tend to wave like this. Hey, this is our wave. And then there's other places they wave like this. Right? And then there's some places, you know, they are got it even different. Okay? And it doesn't make any difference. But the priest somehow stood up there, took two big loaves of bread, and he... Did it like saying, ha ha, thanks, Lord, appreciate it, man. Woo, got a good harvest. That's the redneck version of a wave offering. All right? Took two loaves of bread. The Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He took Jesus and waved it up in front, symbolically. He took Jesus and waved him up by the loaves of bread, representing the loaves of bread, the bread of life. Took it and waved Jesus up and said, man, I, hallelujah, I'm glad. 
We got Jesus. He didn't know what he was doing. Right? He didn't know what he was doing. He was just following the ritual. And so that's why everybody was there that day at church on, the, on what we call Pentecost. Because it was the time of the appointed feast to go. They all go to church. They come into church. They're just thinking about the priest waving the offering and everybody's rejoicing. Hey, buddy, how much you get? Him? How many bushels you make over there? Water you got over there? And they're just all talking about farming and all the crops that they brought in and whatever. They're not thinking about the day of Pentecost. They hadn't put it together. The disciples, they, they weren't that bright. They hadn't figured it all out. Excuse me, guys, but I mean, that's true. And so they go in there and then all of a sudden they're all sitting there having church. Everything's going on. Everybody's just, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, praise and worship band and kicked up or whatever. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it went on. But all of a sudden it says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, so it was a time that the high priest went up and did the wave offering because it had fully come. That's what he was supposed to do. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they were appeared unto them, divided tongues as a fire, and sat on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to understand something in this. God did it all. Hear what I'm saying? God did it all. They didn't have anything to do with it, except they were showed they showed up. Are you all with me? They were just at the feast, they were just worshiping God, still trying to figure out what was going to go on because Jesus is gone, still trying to figure out what they're going to do. They go to church because they're required to go to church. They go to church and they don't know what they're just still trying to figure out what's taking place. And then all of a sudden, God does something. Suddenly, God does something. Suddenly, God does something. He just suddenly, God comes blowing in there. He blows in there. Next thing you know, they're looking at each other and they got this tongue of fire on their head. And brother, your head's on fire. You know what I mean? Here they go talking. The next thing you know, they're speaking in other tongues. If you go read down through the whole thing, People are hearing their, their language. I do not know at that moment if they were speaking, just speaking in their tongue and people heard their, them glorifying God or if they were actually speaking other languages. It's, it's a debate of which way it is, but it doesn't really make any difference because they were doing something that they normally didn't do. Okay? So now God has a way to give you the gift because the vessel has been purified by the blood of Jesus, so now he can fill you. So he sends the Holy Spirit. He sends it in this great demonstration in the church. Boom, blows in there, right? And that day, 3,000 people got saved. God did it. The only thing that Peter had enough sense was is to stand up at the middle of it and discern what it was. Now, see, some people's discernment was, look at them old boys are drunk over there. Now, I do know something about people being drunk. And I know that people being drunk, I've never seen that in church growing up. Right? I never went to church and said, man, that preacher drunk. Because usually it's a solemn affair. And that ain't what the places I went where people were drunk look like. Everybody's hooping, hollering, having a good time. Until that point of the night when then everybody started fighting. But prior to the fight, everybody's having a good time. Well, some people are having a good time to fight anyway, but you know. But my point is, is they, just, they looked at them and said, man, everybody's drunk. And so it's to me, it's like they're seeing them drunk. They, what were they seeing to say that? Now, these are religious people. Other people are drunk. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking laughing. I'm thinking staggering. I'm thinking acting out of character, right? Maybe some leaping, some jumping, 
dancing on the tables? Are y'all following me here? The point is that doesn't look like normal church. Most of the time you go to church, everybody's like saying, you know, straight up. But this church, when God showed up and he did it, everybody presumed that they were drunk. All right. So now the Holy Spirit's loosed on earth. God's doing it. They're they're, they're empowered. And Peter has the sense to stand up and said, this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel. Now, in the book of Joel, Joel starts prophesying. He's got his one little book and that's it. And he's prophesying because it's a horrible time in uh, Jerusalem, in, in Israel. There's a famine. There's a, the, the locusts. You got the big swarming locusts and the other little eating locusts and this locust and that locust. And they've eaten everything up. It looks terrible in the land. Everybody is, is, is distraught. And he steps up, Joel does, and starts to prophesy and says, I'm telling you what, they've all consumed you because you haven't served God. You haven't walked with God. You're not hungry for God. You're not hungry for the things of God. And this is what the consequence has happened to you. But I'm telling you, there's a day coming. God's going to pour out a spirit upon all flesh. And, and so he goes and prophesies that. Joel's, Peter steps up and says, this is what Joel prophesied. This is the pouring out of God upon his people. This is what is taking place. This is what you're seeing. They're not drunk. This is what you're seeing. It's God pouring himself out upon the people so that now the church can be started. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said that the reason why the Holy Spirit's coming was to empower believers. But empower believers so they could be witnesses. If you go look through there, the church got started in Acts chapter 2. It goes through Acts chapter 2, boom, 3,000 people get saved. They do that. Next 5,000 people get saved, boom, 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 boom. And it just the church just begins to grow and it just begins to go and everything. Next thing you know, there's persecution. Then it rises, goes out, goes to Samaria, goes to all other parts of the world. And the more they're persecuted, the more they populate. And they just keep going out. And the church is going out and going out and going out because of the experience of the empowering of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Because God now was loosed on the earth. But isn't it amazing that the devil will come to you and lie to you and say, you can't do anything. Who are you? You don't, you don't, what are you doing? You're not going to overcome this. You can't beat that. You can't, oh man, you're always going to be a drug addict. You're always going to be a drunk. You're always going to be, you know, in a bad marriage. You're always going to, you're not going to make it. You're not going to have any success. You can't. That's what the devil says all the time. When we have been empowered, according to Acts 1-8, or have the ability to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not, not this little, not the, listen to me, hear me this, not this little angel that came from heaven. No, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living God that creates worlds. And you're telling me that we're going to be overcome by the coronavirus? You're telling me we're going to be overcome by hate? No, if God Almighty lives on the inside of us, well, folks, it's the reason why we're not seeing anything is because we don't understand how to cooperate with him. You see this, you see this go through by Acts chapter 8. Peter's going out and preaching, preaching in the house of Cornelius. He's telling people about, you know, it's people that just got saved, just come to Jesus. And then he goes and preaches to them. Uh, excuse me, that's not the house of Cornelius, that's 10. But Acts 8, when he goes over to Samaria... And Philip is called, he's having a revival, and people are getting saved, people are believing in Jesus. And then they call the apostles, come over there and lay hands on them so they could be empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Listen to me, it's a subsequent experience. There's no, way, there's no other way to look at it. The, empower, the empowering of the Holy Spirit follows your salvation. It, can't, it has to follow because the vessel has to be clean. Some, some people teach there's no way to be empowered by the Holy Spirit unless you tarry. I, I got another way here in just a minute. Some people say you just got to, you know, you got to go to the altar and tarry and wait and yearn, scream, cry and pull your hair out and twist and turn, do whatever, you know, because you got to get empowered with the Holy Spirit. Until you get empowered with the Holy Spirit, you, you, get, you don't speak in tongues, but then you're not empowered with the Holy Spirit. And that's just the way it is. Boom. I got something else to show you here, what the word says. All right. My point is, is that first the vessel's got to get clean. Salvation's got to come. But then there is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's his subsequent experience that comes upon you. It's not just salvation. You got it all. I'm happy. I can just go on from here. No, no. There's more to my marriage after 40 years than when I started. My marriage is better now than 40 years ago. Hello? Why? Because we worked it, we learned, and there's been subsequent experiences. Things we've learned, things we've, got, we've grown close to. Walls that have come down. You're hearing me preaching, folks. You've got to have the same thing with Jesus, man. You can't just get your, your, little, your little experience and then that's it. No, there's things that you've got to grow and you've got to do. Well, I asked God to help me once and I didn't see anything happen. Well, you just may be a stubborn, hard-headed old fool. You need to learn and get full of the Holy Spirit so he can slap some knowledge in you and slap you upside the head and get you straight. Oh, the other day. Oh, the other day, man, I was, I was, I was all twisted up, man. That's the old devil just got hold of my tail and he's twisting my tail. And, and I, was, I, was, I was ready. My wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to go over there. I, I'm, I'm, I hate to admit these things, but they're the truth. I, I said, I'm going over to the job. I'm going to whip this guy. She, she's learned now that not no sense in really getting too worried about it. And she said, well, you probably ought not to. And I said, well, I'm telling you, man, I've had enough. I said, oh, man, I'm going. I said, I'm going to have me something. Just call, come get me out of jail. And, man, I fly over there. I'm all mad. I'm just stirred up, man, just stirred up. Just rah, just stirred up. I get over there. The Holy Ghost whole time saying, you better settle down, boy. I said, I ain't settling down. I'm tired of settling down. Keep trying to settle down. Ain't going to settle down no more. Had enough. Going to go over there. I'm going to thrash this boy book good. She tells me, she, you know, I hear my wife's voice and the Holy Ghost both tell me, you better settle down. You know, you better settle down. I get over to there and then come to find out I was wrong. They called me on something and I was wrong. I, I, I was wrong. I made a mistake. And so you said, you know, so, you know, the best way to eat crows, put a lot of salt on it, you know. <laughs> but thank God I've learned in life. I didn't say anything. See, I didn't tell anybody. It was all internal. It was all internal. I didn't spout off everything that I was going to do to the world. <laughs> I've learned that because then you really had to eat a lot of crow. I just had to eat crow between me and the Holy Ghost, right? And got home, had to eat crow with my wife. But, you know, she serves up a really good dish. It's, it works. Not a, she's learned how to cook it for me over these years. Got to use it so often. <laughs> have to eat it so much. No, it was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit the whole time telling me, you better not do that. You better not do that. You better not. But I've learned in life I've got to listen to him, right? My point is, is that this empowering of the Holy Spirit comes in our life for us to keep us straight, to keep us from going off the deep end, to keep us from getting off track, to missing things in life, from, from doing wrong deals and getting messed up in life. God said, I'm going to give you that gift. I'm going to empower you. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. 
by the devil, for God was with him. Are y'all with me? The devil is doing the oppressing and the power of the Holy Spirit setting it free. I want that. I don't want to be oppressed. And the one doing the oppressing is the devil. It's not God. God's wanting to do the blessing. He gave you the gift. He's wanting to encourage you. He's wanting to help you on in life. All right? So here we go. Now I've got down to where I want to preach. Go to John 16, 13. John 16, 13. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, the he is, he's talking, Jesus is speaking here, and the he he's talking about to so the Holy Spirit, has come. First thing here you see, he says he will guide you into all truth. Okay? Let me just say this. We got to, you know, like, look at the craziness going on in the world today. We have people rioting. They've even, some of them are holding up signs saying, we don't know why we're rioting. We're just in. We're, we're down for it. Right? We've got people rioting in protests. It started out as a protest against the abuse that was done, which was wrong. I mean, there was no doubt about it. It was wrong. Right? But then now they're just tearing businesses down, looting everything in the world. Doesn't make any difference what color your skin is. If you own a business, they're tearing it down. They're tearing up, burning up this, burning up that. You know, everything's out of control. People just won't tear something up. Right? Because they don't know the truth. How many times in your own life have you been just like that? You're mad at the world. You're mad at everything going on around you. You're mad at what's, what's been dealt. You've mad at how it's taking place. You're just tearing up everything. You're just rioting in your own life. You're just ripping everything up because you don't really know what the truth is. That the truth is, if you would let the Holy Ghost speak to you, he would show you something that maybe you need to change in your heart or you need to do, make an adjustment in your own life that would have kept you out of that mess, that you'd have never gone down that road and you'd have never got in that? Huh? Wants to guide you into truth? Wants to tell you what the real problem is, what's really going on, what, what you really need to, to, to be dealing with, but you don't want to deal with it? The Holy Ghost tapping on your shoulder all the time, saying, no, you need, you need to stop that. Don't do that. That's not right. It's going to guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever, listen, Follow this. Whatever he hears, he's going to speak. Now, that's like, that's like, you know, uh, what's going on behind the doors in the Oval Office. There's somebody in there listening to come walking out and tell you what was said and what's going on. So you have it firsthand. That's like the Holy Spirit coming out of the throne of God to you. To tell you what's going on with daddy and your elder brother Jesus. Now think about this. <laughs> you see, the problem is, is nobody believes that God's going to speak to you. Nobody believes God's going to give you anything. Nobody believes God's going to tell you. You just think, we just think that we're down here on this earth. I mean, it's like a, it's just like shooting craps. You're just hoping seven comes up. Most people are just trying to live their lives. You know, they think they can go to college, get a degree, be smart in their field, go out there and be successful in their business, you know, and grow and do whatever they're going to do. And everything's going to be OK because they're going to be so wise and full of wisdom because they learned that at, at school. When the whole fact of the matter is they go to school, and they teach you to be a liberal idiot. And then you just don't even know what the truth is. And you just get farther off the, the path and just miss it. God bless you. I said it. 
Because the curse is found out that if he gets the professors in there that can teach you things that are wrong and not right and get you away from godliness and get you away from the things of God and get you off of that and get you off over here, then they're gonna, it's going to have you deceived because, see, the world doesn't know that the curse is trying to send it to hell. They don't know the truth, but the Holy Spirit does know the truth. And the Holy Spirit's trying to guide you all the time and teach you and show you things all the time. I never forget when I was first trying to follow the Holy Ghost, and I, I've told this story before, but I was back in my years when I was still working as a carpenter, and we had to work in this old house. It was an old two-story house. It was kind of creepy, and the guy that was with me, was real. he was really waspy, you know? I mean, he was always thinking about ghosts and stuff, and he was scared of, this, uh, of snakes and spiders, and I, I'm not too fond of them myself, but I mean, you know, he was like really freaky about everything, and so, so he was getting me kind of getting the willies, you know, because he was all jumping around at this and that as we were going through this old house. Nobody had lived in it for years. And so anyway, I went up to this door and I had to go outside. The, the head carpenter was telling me, to, you know, he was throwing up an electric cord up over this one part of the house and I need to go out there and get it. And so I had to go outside this door in this little porch. And I reached up and got hold of that door. Now, I'm not, I was young in the Lord and just praying all every day, God, speak to me, show me, tell me. And I picked, grab hold of that door. knob when I did my, just inside of my spirit, just I mean, something went right, man. I turned to that doorknob. I'm like, man, that's something. Oh, getting the willies. You know, something's on the, what is that? So I got over there and tried to look out the window, you know, and see if I could see something around there. And, and I was like, man, what is this? Lord, is there some ghost, you know, devil out there going to jump on me or what's his deal? You know, so, so I called my, my buddy who was really waspy and told him to open the door. <laughs> so there's no way he is going to touch it. And so finally, I grabbed, grabbed that doorknob again. Same thing that's felt on the inside of me. There's this check, like, don't open the door. And the guy's hollering at me from now. said, oh, that door. Well, I got a car. I got a car. You know, what's the matter with you? And so finally, I was like, ah, he's got to do it. So I just reached over there and jerked on that door. Well, when I did, there was a yellow jacket nest about that big, just full of yellow jackets on the other side of them. They flew in there, went to stinging all of us. We were running all over the house trying to get away from these things. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, stupid, why didn't you just listen to the Holy Ghost? He was trying to tell you something. That's what we do in life. The Holy Spirit's trying to tell us. He's trying to lead us. He's trying to guide us. But we're not listening, so we end up getting stung. And then blame God for creating yellow jackets. That's where the world is right now. Okay, he says, I hadn't even got to the good part yet. Ah, man, this is unbelievable. But whatever he hears, he speaks. He will tell you of things to come. So you're getting it before it's going down. Now look at this. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit's going to glorify Jesus. Are you seeing what this says? Jesus is speaking this. He's saying he's going to come and then he is going to glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Wait a minute. You remember what I've been teaching to you all these weeks about that you are in, 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 in covenant with God, that you sit at the right hand of, in Christ, that he is your elder brother, you have an inheritance within him. Now the Holy Spirit's going to say he's going to show you how to use what Jesus is because it's yours. Huh? Are you with me? He says, I'm going to, he's going to, he will glorify me for he's going to take what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to say, look, oh, don't do that. Do like Jesus did. Stand up, speak to the storm, say, peace, be still. That's what your brother does. That's what the Holy Ghost is doing for you. Not as he just guiding you into truth. He's trying to show you how to operate like Jesus operated on this earth because you and him are brothers. It even gets better. For he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. 
Look at this. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. That means all of heaven. Jesus is not saying it's just like my toys. It's just somebody, it's just, he's going to show you how to operate out of my toy box. No, Jesus says, wait a minute. The Father gave me all things. So all that the Father has is mine. And so you're not playing in Jesus' toy box. You're playing in the Father's toy box that has everything. Now, I don't know if this is true. Some of you, you, you more intelligent people are going to tell me this. But, you know, I've always heard this, and uh, that as humans, we only use like one-tenth of our brain. Y'all ever heard that? I don't know. Like there's 90% of our brain that we're not even using. And then some people say that you know, others are less than that. And I don't understand all that. I don't know how they make it, you know, all, all that. But I'm just saying, I want you to understand something. Let's just say that's true. Let's just say that you're functioning at your capabilities right now and only 10% of the power that's a- available to you in your brain. Let's just say that. Let's just agree that that's okay, all right? So you're doing pretty good. I mean, you got up and got dressed this morning, right? Found you something to eat, made it, drove, have learned how to work on the internet. I mean, you know, some of us, like my wife and I, we... Well, you know, we're, we're, I feel so old sometimes because like the other day I said, how did I move a picture from the main deal over to a folder? I said, how do we do that? And we had this long 15, 20 minute discussion. She said, I know we did do that. We know we did how to do that. You know, and it's just like two old people sitting around there trying to figure out how to make your dumb phone work. Get that thing over there. And then we finally remember, oh, yeah, I was here. You're like, it's sad. That's sad. When we're at that level of trying to understand technology, right? And, and that's really sad, and I hate to admit that, but I mean, I'm, that's where I'm at, but I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to get better, but that, there's a lot not in my, if I'm, you know, if, if there's only 10% being used in there, man, only like an eight, just, just like point zero zero one is whatever's been developed in learning how to technically use a phone, right? I mean, I hate to tell you all this, when I'm doing the videos that I do, the, sending out on the plan, my, my, I had to get a new phone. And, and then when I did the video, there was no sound on it. And I was like, what? How could I do the video? There's no sound on the video. This is months back. And so there's no sound on the video. And so I redid it. And then there was no sound. I could see myself talking. There's no sound. I said, stupid phone. What is the deal? And so I was trying to get this done. I was getting so mad. I was getting so angry. I did it again. I went out there and did like, you know, 15 takes. I couldn't ever get any sound on there. Finally, I called Jake. I said, Jake, there's something wrong with this stupid phone of mine. You know, I can't get no sound. It's not, it's the, the microphone's not turned on, but I can't figure out where to turn the microphone. He says, Robert, just look right up there on the, you see where there's a little sound deal and does it have a line through it? And I was like, yeah, I see that. And he said, push it. And I pushed it. <laughs> so I recorded 15 videos. Every one of them had sound on it. I just didn't push the little button up there to hear it. And I was like, well, the other phone didn't do that. He said, yeah, on the new iPhone update, they, you know, now that it's already turned off and. It's like stupid thing. I spent the whole night. I was mad, man. I was trying to do a video. You don't know how hard it is to do a video that I'm sending out to people about Jesus when I'm angry about the whole phone deal. It's like stupid fun. I get this thing. Hello. So glad you joined us for the plan this week. That is a hard thing to overcome, okay? So back to my brain. So let's just say you're only using 10%. So you're doing pretty well for 10%, all right? Let's just say the same applies to that scripture right there, that your walk with Jesus, you're only 10% in it. 
Because he just said, all of heaven's yours. All that the Father has can be explained to you. Just are you willing to learn it? And I, I mean, the phone's such a, a perfect thing because, see, I, I find myself only wanting to learn limited amount, just what I need it to do. Oh, so you only want to walk your relationship with Jesus just enough to keep you out of hot water because you don't really want to spend any time studying and learning and growing and developing in the things of God. So you just, you're, you're doing good. You know, you're not going to go to hell and you know, you, you, you got your bank account pretty full and you're doing all right. So you just kind of, you know, you're, you're treading water. <laughs> you're doing all right. Yeah, my head's good. Look, I'm, I'm up really good. I'm doing good. Treading water. But you haven't had the desire and the hunger to leap up and start walking on top of the water. Everything in heaven's yours, says it right there. Jesus said it his own mouth, and he ain't a liar. The only thing holding you back is your own hunger for God. That's it. And if our hunger level is to a place where we're just satisfied to be where we are, then you're not like my relationship with my wife that I was just Twitter-pated and ready to go anywhere to be with her. And that's where we got to get to, church. All of us, myself included. I don't want to have grown to a place of complacency in my life and in the level that I'm at with the Lord. And then when I, when I saw this and I'm reading this and the Holy Spirit's burning this into my heart, I'm like, all of it, everything in heaven. Well, I'm sure there's things in heaven I hadn't even thought about. I'm sure there's things in heaven that take place that I've not even had the little 10% of my brain kick over and work. So here I'm ending. Go to 1 Peter 2.1. Praise God. One thing I have loved out of all this is that, is, is that my phone, I still get honk honks coming in in my phone. They're not in the parking lot, but they're out in the world and they still give me honk honks. So I'm not up here just playing on my phone while I'm preaching, okay? Believe me, I'm not. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Do you see that? Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. Look at this. As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, I, I, mothers, this is one for y'all. In raising a child and when they're babies and you're, they're, they're drinking milk, can you rationalize with them if they get hungry and are crying for a bottle? Is there any way to say, just a minute, it'll be there. I'm just warming it up. And the child just says, oh, okay. <laughs> Am I right? There's no rationalizing with the kid. The longer he doesn't get fed, does he not get more hysterical? And just cries and just goes on here like that. And then just get down to that little... <laughs> Right? That baby's just quivering. And then you stick the bell in there. And they're still kind of quivering from the whole thing. Am I right? And you're just, you're just ridiculous. You're just saying, you're just ridiculous. I'm going to feed you. Right? But they scream like they're never going to have another gulp of milk. Am I right? And then, whatever the feeding schedule is, you know, two hours, same thing, just hysterical. Like they can't remember that they just got fed two hours prior to that. Everything was okay. 
right? Peter says, if think of that example, he says, that's how we should be hungry for the word of God. That we should be hysterical, crying, yearning for the things of God, and that we're not going to quit crying until we get them. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So he promises that we will get filled. The problem is we got to get hungry. But you know what? You're not going to get hungry. You know that a person that's starving, that if they don't have any food in them after a while, they just get to, they don't have any hunger pains anymore. And the, re, the way, if you really want to, to, to keep your hunger going, you have to eat a little something. And when you eat a little something, and then it stirs the, the gases or the whatever's in your gut, to the, the, not the gases, but the, the digestive enzymes to stir that stuff so that you get hungry and want to eat. Am I right? So how are you going to stir your hunger? Well, you've got to keep feeding yourself. If you're already on a starvation plane and you're just planed out, you're already starved, you may not be hungry anymore. If you want to get hungry for the things of God, you've got to start feeding yourself something. That means you're going to have to listen to a message. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to listen to worship music. You're going to have to turn yourself on to the things of God. And then the more you turn yourselves on, the more then you're going to get hungry. And then the more you're going to not be enticed by, you know, the, 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 the just vegging out in front of the television and doing whatever over here or, or starting a project or doing something that's keeping you busy. No, your busy is going to be about the things of God. I am convinced, and this is why I'm here. It's changed my life. I have lived, my wife and I, my family, we've lived a radical life. When I got saved, I changed. I left everything behind and went for God. I'm still going for God. And all of this that you see is something but a byproduct. I'm just hungry for God. I don't want to be a preacher. I've never wanted to be a preacher. I'm just hungry for God. And how do I keep myself hungry? I keep reading and I keep reading and I keep looking and I keep praying. And I keep talking to God and I keep talking to people. and I keep talking to people that are gone before me and gone through other experiences. And I keep talking to the Holy Spirit and getting him to explain things to me. But now it's like all of a sudden I see a new realm opening up because I didn't realize that everything that was in heaven, I knew I had access to it. But I never thought saw it in the, in the light of the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to me everything that I have access to in heaven. Because I bet you there's something that we hadn't thought about. We've limited it to wild Pentecostal services we've seen, uh, supernatural manifestations, healing, and all this. But I, I tell you, there's more out there than that because God's not limited to just those little things that we know. So what I'm saying is I want it. I've read the scripture before like where it says, and if you go into this house and if they receive you, well, then you're, let your peace reside there. And if they don't, then dust off your shoes and as you leave and let your peace go with you. So that means you have peace to give. Now, I know I have blessed people. I know I've come into somebody's house and blessed them, but I never had a thought about offloading peace. And is there something more to that than I'm, than I'm reading? So I'd ask the Holy Ghost, am I got a, a dump of peace that you pull the lever and there goes out peace? Because it says, leave your peace. He said, oh, oh, do we? I don't know. Figure it out. Get hungry for God and seek it out. Are y'all following me? There's so much out there, but you're not going to find any of them unless you get hungry. Now, the second one here, Luke eleven nine, 9, we already read. So he said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened, right? So you've got to start asking, seeking, knocking. 
We've turned the baptism of the Holy Spirit into a, a, into a come forward. I'm going to lay hands on you and, and you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Okay, you got it, brother. Go on. Just like we did our salvation. And then I've seen people that could speak in tongues be meaner than snakes. Something went wrong. Because if you got infused with the spirit of the living God, you ought to just be Mr. Love. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going down that track. I'm trying to get people to understand. Open up your thinking. Open up your heart here. Get hungry for God. Get hungry to everything that God has for you. Get hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be greater in your life than it is today. Don't say, oh, well, I I can speak in tongues. And then that's the end of your experience. You're missing it. All of heaven's waiting for you. Everything's in the Father's toy box is yours. And you're going, to sit, sit, you're going to be satisfied that you can speak in tongues? I'm not. I'm not. So let me just end in this. You've got to get your head out of the way. Hear what I'm saying here. You don't think the Holy Spirit with your head. It's not about your head. You don't feel, you don't seek a feeling with your emotions. That's not what the Holy Spirit's about. We're not wanting an emotional experience. Oh, it feels good when, when and you're in the presence of God. But folks, I'm telling you, do not seek emotional experiences. You might get one, and it may not be from God. Hear what I'm saying to you. You want to feel the wisp? It may just be the hole in the floor that the wind blew up your dress. That may be all it is. All right? You're not going to seek out of your emotions. You're not going to get anywhere with God yearning. And, 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 and hear what I'm saying. I'm talking about working it up. I, I, I've, I, I read about this in the Old Testament. I've never seen it until one time I was at a funeral in Mexico. And there was these people, man, they were wailing and carrying on. I mean, you've never seen the wailing going on. I thought, man, these people must have really loved that guy. And I said something to somebody. I said, oh, no, they, those are hired. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, those are mourners. And, you know, the more mourners they hire, the better... It looks, and so they, this is a pretty wealthy person. They've hired a lot of mourners. And so they're out there, and people just wailing and carrying out, and then got their pestles at the end of it and said, ha, see you later. They were just professional mourners. You can't become some professional, emotional Christian that you can come up to the altar and just, you can work up some tears like an actor or an actress and, 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 and just get to wailing and weeping and a carrying on and a flailing and a flinging and flopping and a fluking and think that you're going to get somewhere with the Holy Spirit. He's not interested in that. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in your faith. What you've got to do is learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and wait on him. Isaiah 40, 31, my last verse. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You've got to take time to get hungry for God, sit down in his presence, shut up, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and empower you, not you going and telling him what you want him to do. This isn't about you. It's about him. It's about bringing glory to Jesus. Now, Luke 11 right there said, Anybody could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The only thing that you have to do is have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can go to Acts chapter 19, look at Paul. He, they found the believers. They, they finally said that they believe in Jesus, and then Paul laid hands on them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay? The only thing that you have to do before receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you have to be saved. You have to have Jesus in your life. The Holy Spirit cannot come into your vessel unless your vessel is cleansed for the house of God. Do we all understand that? There is no formula because in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit fell on the people and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. You see Acts chapter 19, Paul laid hands on them and they got, they got uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, they, they laid hands on them again. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. But it, it, there's, no, there's, no, there's no methodology that it has to be this way. Just like there's no really methodology for getting saved. Right? Getting saved means you turn your heart on and you say, Ah, I want Jesus, I want you in my life. Some person's prayer may be really pretty. Other person's prayer may be, help! Okay? Same thing with the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you today, every one of you need to know that you have had the subsequent experience of salvation as a baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need that. So how do you get it? You ask. You ask. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. You yearn and desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to, and then once you have been, you don't stop there because the Bible says, be being filled. It's a constant renewal, a constant refreshing, a constant be being filled. It's not a one time experience. I, oh, yeah, I remember that meeting back in 68. I got a goose. Whoa, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. No, no, it's every day. Your relationship with him yearning and wanting to say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me today. I need your guidance. I need your, show me the toolbox of the Father. I need to know how to operate. I need to bring glory to Jesus today. I want to, I want to glorify Jesus today. Fill me, Holy Spirit, today. That's what it is. It's a yearning. It's a seeking. It's a desiring. It's going through the whole scriptures and looking and finding everything about the Holy Spirit, and what he did and what he moved. And Lord, whoa, whoa, Lord, what are you talking about over here? What's going on over here? I don't know about this. That's what it really means to have the day of Pentecost in your life. And if the church world would hear this and get turned on to it, you know what? We'd see revival in America. But until the church, and I'm not talking, I'm not dogging y'all. Y'all are here, man. Y'all fought through hogs and the coronavirus and everything else to get to church. I'm saying until the church gets to the place where they're hungry for God, the church across America, and gets through, gets, throws out their religious garbage and says, we're not going to see no change. I hate to tell you, unless God just decides he's just going to blow in like he did on the day of Pentecost, and I'm up for that. But until that time, I'm going to just keep preaching. Are you all with me? Now, I want to ask you to do something. Everybody stand up. Lark, can you come up here for me? All of you out there watching, listen to me. Right there, you heard the message. Start crying out for God. Start being hungry for God. If you've grown complacent in your walk with Jesus, well, then start back reading your word. Start back listening to music. Start feeding yourself, and then you're going to start to get a hunger going. And then you can just keep all the way going until you can eat that 72-ounce porterhouse. And so right there at your home, you can just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, and He will. You cry out for him, he will come into you. He says, Ask and it shall be given, seeking you shall find. Says anybody ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, you can be filled. I've told you it's not a one-time experience, it's be being filled. It's over and over and over again. So I'm speaking to all of y'all in here too this morning. Don't let your relationship grow cold. Be being filled. So I want to pray over you. 
And then as soon as I get through praying over you, I want to ask the prayer team to come down. And if you're in here and you want someone to lay hands on you and pray with you, well, then they're here. We're going to we're going to get back like we've always done church. For those of you out there, listen, Holy Spirit will still touch you right where you're at. So, Father, right now, you look into all of our hearts. You see all of us. You see every one of us in here. And, Lord, I don't want to be just using 10% of my abilities with you. I don't want to just tap into just 10% of what heaven has for me. I want, I want it all. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to develop. And so, Lord, I just declare right now, all of us, you see our hearts, you know where we're at. And I ask you, Lord, right now to begin to fill the believers. Begin to touch them and fill them. Help them. Lead us, guide us, direct us. Open our hearts and reveal to us more than we've ever known before. Because, Lord, I'm hungry for you. Hungry to know you in a greater way. If there's anyone out there and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, all you have to do is ask Him to come into your life, ask Him to forgive you. He will, right wherever you are. So listen, God bless you. More than you can ever imagine. Now, can I have my prayer team come down? For everyone out there listening, watching, God bless you. We'll catch you next week. Just stay hungry for God. For everyone in here, we're here to pray for you. If you want prayer, man, today could be your great day. So I just want to bless you. And then those of you that want to can be dismissed. But Father, I just declare right now your hands upon us all. Bless this congregation. Bless these people, Lord God, as we go. Bless them, Lord, to let us bring glory and honor to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.